In a time when agriculture is highly industrialized and most folks are accustomed to being removed from their food source by hundreds of miles in the fluorescent sheen of a grocery store, small to mid-sized local farmers have an important role to play in how we conceptualize our communities. They're expected to be stewards of the land, preserving it for future generations, to supply us with products that are unique to our region or culture, to ensure our food security, and to be productive citizens. Though sometimes this is easier said than done. Being ingrained in a community is a multifaceted endeavor, and it has a direct impact on the success of local farms. Here's Karen Cox. So there's a couple different avenues here, and I'm going to try to remember to talk about all of them. And one of them is the Beginning Farmer Network. Um, that is a huge challenge. Um, and another one would be the um, producer-consumer relationship, um, getting neighbors, uh, urban-rural interface issues taken care of. Um, and then another one is the inter-farmer relationships. For beginning farmers, Karen's been working to build networks of folks getting started around the same time, making space for them to bounce ideas off each other and to talk openly about their challenges and successes. Urban-rural interface issues are helped by things like 4-H and county fairs, which strengthen the connection in the public's mind between farming and the food they eat. When people actually have to live next to those farms, though... There's complaints about smells, and that's why West Virginia is a right-to-farm state. And so it, there's a lot of issues that come into that rural-urban interface challenge um, that farmers struggle with, and that sometimes drives some farmers out of it. In Karen's experience, farmer-to-farmer relationships are often really strong, and people working in agriculture are totally willing to help and support each other. But there's no one perfect way to farm, so when newcomers join the community... In some cases, you know, come on in, let me show you how to do this, let me show you how to fix that, uh, you know, let's build your, rebuild your fence together, really great neighborly relationships. And then there's other times where they're like, you don't farm like I do, and so therefore you're doing it wrong. So it's, it's always a learning process, and a lot of it's personality-based. Um, but for the most part, I think the farming community is fairly welcoming for other farmers. Um, but anything, anytime you're building relationships, it's a slow burn. These avenues, beginning farmer networks, the urban-rural interface, and farmer-to-farmer relationships, all come together through markets that create the inextricable link between the social and financial aspects of agriculture. For Eric and Brianna Blend, as new farmers, having the support of people who had been through the process of starting a farm business was invaluable. I think the farmers markets, though, are good. They're yeah. not necessarily like a have a name connected to it, but like that's a group of friends that we now have that we can rely on and ask questions to. And that's one thing that we realized as well is when we started farming and doing this. We had a lot of people that gave us every reason why why it won't work and why we shouldn't do it. And a very small, very, very, very small amount of people that said, hey, what can we do to help? You know, and then so... And that was Karen and, and, and Casey but, and yeah. people from the farmer's market. That's Karen Cox she's referring to, and Casey Ganser, who works for the West Virginia Department of Agriculture. For small to mid-sized farmers who sell direct to consumers through farm stands, farmer's markets, or CSAs, Support from their communities translates directly to their ability to sell their products. Though having a sales outlet isn't the only advantage to markets that allow farmers to interface with customers. Here's Mick Luber, the organic farmer in Caddis, Ohio. Well, I, when I first started, I tried uh, dealing with uh, chefs or cooks or whatever they like to call themselves. 
and uh, most of them are pompous, and I I don't really cotton to pompous people, so it was easier for me to have a personal touch with people at the markets, and there's nothing like sharing a recipe, sharing something that somebody hasn't eaten before, or a cultural practice that, you know, from Polish, uh, Jewish, all that kind of stuff with somebody. It's sort of like a, you can educate people about what organic is, why you do what you do, and provide them with good food. Yeah. Direct markets mean that farmers are not only producers of a product, but ambassadors and educators. It's a lot of work, but it's also one of the things a lot of farmers, like the blends, love about what they do. Um, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of farmers and just people in general, that you can make a good product, but to talk to someone and talk to them about it, you, you almost have to, you have to be passionate about, you know, this is why, I, you know, I love to do this, like, you know, and yeah. you have to sell them on what your product is, but you have to sell them on you as well, and that's one thing that when you get from the store, they don't have to do that. You know? mm -hmm. That's one thing about, like, my profession now and looking as a, as a teacher and people know who we are through our business, like, we always have to be prepared for someone to ask us questions or talk to us or, like, know who we are. So I don't want to say we have to behave in public because we are normal adults, <laughs> but, like, you have to be on your best because people know who you are now and... You're like an ambassador for your brand everywhere. Yeah, like if I go around. Well, that and, and really for farming. Like, I mean, yeah. you know. Right. We don't want, <laughs> and we don't like that that stereotype with you're missing teeth and wearing overalls and everything. <laughs> like, that's not how we want to portray ourselves. So, we like we have we are always have that conscious on our mind that we are representing our business and I represent the county I work for. But like, you always have to. Yeah push your best foot forward. You yeah. can't scream at people or like, because once you get one negative review, that's going to spread like wildfire yeah. versus like someone that likes you. And Of course, having the public so present comes with pros and cons. For Sue and Bill Beinlich, with Sue's background in dairy farming, where her family dealt exclusively with distributors, managing an on-farm store has been an adjustment. Has that been kind of one of the bigger uh, changes or challenges to this kind of farming is just having the public so present. Oh gosh, yeah, that's the biggest challenge by far. By far, <laughs> people are not yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Some. Well, generally nine, speaking, ninety-eight percent of the people are just fine. But that. Yeah. But it's just two that, to five percent. It's just like they're that. not nice what people. Is wrong yeah. With you? Even for Eric Freeland, who by comparison gets a modest number of visitors at his farm, keeping customers happy can eat into valuable production time. And that's always a catch-22 because, uh, you know, you want customers, but yet when you're talking to a customer, you think, man, I need to be out there helping them guys pick. But yet you want to make somebody feel welcome because they drove up here a half hour. You know, you want to, you want to talk to them for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that as often as not, you know, people... Uh, Hey, can, I, can you show me? You give like a mini tour. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be tied up like 20 minutes or a half hour with a customer. Because you want to do public relations. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, your customers are key. And uh, so there's always, a, there's always a catch to everything. You know, you want customers, but then you end up, you know, spending maybe a lot of time entertaining uh, customers, especially when they've been like, this is their first experience up here, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um. The blends live just outside of Wheeling, with other neighbors close by. 
And since they farm with animals, it's brought up some of those urban-rural interface issues Karen was talking about. But then if you, in more urban areas, people are <laughs> were complaining because they literally have no experience of, you know, living out in, uh, you know, we've had uh, this neighbor right over here, well, uh, he's threatened two lawsuits against us because our pigs stink. And because our pigs, our pigs are noisy. And our pigs constantly make noises. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it was really weird. Like the, the first time that I met her, uh, we gave her a tour and she had a little daughter. And I said, hey, do you want to come over and pet the pig? Like we're trying to, you know, let people know that like farming's not scary. Let's, you know. So that was in about April. In August, we get a letter from, and this is how they send not us the letter even though i'd given her uh, my card and sent it to mr brown the guy i'm leasing Not to her. so he's also like you know you, you know less apt to want to lease to us because people are threatening lawsuits even though there's no like pigs don't make noise and it, they make uh, no more noise <laughs> than the traffic does oh less less by far less. The farmers I talked to in this series live in Butler, Allegheny, and Washington counties, Pennsylvania, Brook and Ohio counties, West Virginia, and Harrison County, Ohio. This region, like lots of communities across the country, is seeing increased interest in local, sustainably produced food and smaller scale producers, though it's not exactly at the front of that curve. Eric Freeland has lived and farmed in Brook County his entire life and has watched local food markets improve over the last 10 or 20 years, but price points are still the driving factor in food purchasing decisions for a lot of people. You know, you're always going to have your Walmart shoppers that are never going to buy from you under any circumstances. They just, they'll, they'll drive past your stand to go to you know, Kroger or Walmart. And I'm not against the big, I'm just saying that's how, that's how it is, but you're always going to have that element. But it's a pretty big percentage in this part of the country. It's not as progressive and, you know, we all know that the High Valley is not the mecca of health concerns like other parts of the country that maybe wants, you know, fresh local grown produce that hasn't been sprayed uh, to the no ends of the world. But. Organizations like the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association, the Pennsylvania Association for Sustainable Agriculture, the Farm Bureau, or events and conferences organized by extension agencies and state departments of agriculture create space for farmers to come together, to share information and support, and to commiserate. I was one of the founding members of OFA, which, you know, you get to see people all over the state. They have an annual meeting. That's your communion sort of. Mm -hmm. You go there and rub shoulders with people from large 700 acre grain and livestock farms down to backyard gardeners. So there's always been this community and without that community it would be hard to exist because you don't have any rapport with your next door neighbors. When I first moved here I just talked to everybody, uh, went to went to farmers who were baling hay, helped them bale hay, and you get to be part of the community. Increasingly though, communion among farmers and their communities comes through social media. But there are like Facebook groups of people all over the world doing the same thing we're doing. So kind of like being a part of this community of people with sort of similar values around yeah. food and agriculture is really an important part yeah. of yeah. yeah. And, and it, uh, it also makes us more comfortable when we, you know, when something happens and, you know, you stress out and you think that the world's over with, um, 
you know, but then you look online and it's like, other people are dealing with these same issues. So it's not, okay. You know, you, you feel like you're not the only person out there who's going through these issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, problems. Yeah. yeah. Are many of those people in this area or how like far reaching do you think? Uh, oh, like our Facebook groups all over the world. For some farms, especially long-standing family farms and farms that don't sell to consumers, like Teeley Dairy Farm, putting themselves out there on the internet is a big change, but it's helping to buck stereotypes and educate the public. Farm Bureau has a young farmer and rancher program, people 18 to 35, and we're pretty involved in it, my brother and I are. And there's an award there called Social Media Award where you make a five-minute video about your farm, what makes your farm unique, and how, how uh, you do practices differently than everybody else. And so I thought, oh, I could do those drone videos. I could put that in and show you, show us planting and harvesting and mowing hay and things of the like. And, and so we did that. We, we put in this five-minute video, and we won that award for the state because you, you, you want a reputation like that instead of a reputation of being isolated or... Do you feel like that's something that's changed from, like, your generation to your, from your grandparents or your parents' generation, is having to think a little bit more about what the public image of the farm is, and that kind of spreads a little bit further, more quickly, out, maybe outside of Butler County or outside of Butler Town? Yeah, because of social media now, everybody knows what you're doing, and every, everybody can see that. So, I mean, yeah, if my grandfather was still around, he probably wouldn't understand social media and how that works, and get off that crap, we don't want to, we don't want people to see what you're we're doing or whatever and but you have to you have to have you almost have to nowadays because if you don't then you almost develop a reputation of oh they don't they must be doing something something nobody wants to see in the next and final episode we'll hear how farmers see the future of agriculture and what makes them stay